two to tie. Michigan will have to bring it. Oh, he walked. He walked and the referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he calls it too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't yes. have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a technical. He, he calls a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many, and so it'll be a technical foul. North Carolina shooting and the ball. A huge mental mistake. Mental mistake. Mental mistake. Episode thirty-five. No timeouts. Rodney's reports. No timeouts. My good man Pope. We're back. The first football pod of the 2020 season Uh, yeah man nfl season has been crazy really for all the wrong reasons in a lot of respects whether it just be a lot of injuries messing up teams messing up fantasy lineups whether it just be you know rona messing up teams messing up schedules it's just like it's just been chaotic and and a lot of the worst ways i mean obviously you know given the setup of no bubble no you know it's kind of inevitably be that way so i don't know how you how do you feel about how everything is shaking out now that we're kind of at the the four well yeah four weeks month in they didn't take my advice i specifically sent a tweet to roger goodell saying put them in a bubble (laughs) in north and south dakota because nothing is happening there and then just get man nobody through 10 weeks that's what i'm saying it nothing was happening there Put a bunch of millionaires out there. There's absolutely nothing they can do. You save money on all the frequent testing and bullshit, and then you can just have that. But no, the NFL owners had to have their stadium revenue and try to force fans while teams are having fucking outbreaks, but whatever. (laughs) I feel like in theory that would be great until you tell the players that you have to live in North and South Dakota for the next four months. I feel like the players would not have been ready. They Man, they want they their would check not have been ready. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, if if this we where's we'll everybody this later practice in North well, Dakota and South Dakota? Well, that's my thing. Where are all the there's teams nothing gonna, in North and South Dakota. So you got to build all these buildings? Yeah, not buildings, not buildings at all. All you have to do is have a specific place where they can play. This is football. We play in rain, sleet, shine like mailman, baby. All you had to do was have a few practice fields and have an actual dome-like stadium, a few of them. You could have rolled that out. Think about how much money they're spending on rapid testing. They're testing every player every day before they walk into the building and when they exit for 24 hours. It's too much. It's too much, man. Like, NBA players in the bubble already broke rules, and they were in a bubble. So NFL players (laughs) without a bubble – still traveling, still having to deal with everything else. Some of them are in states where their kids are already in school, all types of stuff. It was doomed from the start, but I am happy to see it. I hope it lasts. So far, we have, what, two yeah. two teams about to be quarantined pretty much. The Titans already went through it. Now the Raiders, it looks like they're about to go through it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think that the NFL is just – I don't know. They they could have at least done the schedule different. I think Bill Simmons kind of said something about this in terms of like having more bye weeks. Like they definitely could have had like a league wide bye week, you know. Mm-hmm. And then instead of seventeen weeks, those season could have just been like eighteen or nineteen weeks, you know, stuff like that for more flexibility. But ultimately, I mean, we'll get to the confidence later. But I think the season will happen nonetheless. But yep. before we get to that, 
get, get to uh, more pertinent things when it comes to the actual teams. Uh, real contenders, fake pretenders, who, uh, who, who's – I mean, we have kind of have the obvious teams, but who's, who, who are you looking at as the Super Bowl favorite or who are you looking at as a team that is a contender that you didn't think was going to be a contender? So I broke it down by conference, right? And we separated this, to borrow a term from basketball, by real contenders versus fake hustle, right? A couple of teams are fake hustling right now, and they happen to have good records, and everybody thinks they're maybe a good team on paper, but a lot of that is fake hustle. To me, the consensus for the Super Bowl prior to the season was pretty much Kansas City versus New Orleans Saints. That was the consensus, for the most part. There was outliers, of course, but Kansas City versus New Orleans was, that wasn't mine. I had Baltimore and Seattle personally before the season started, and I still think that's the reality that's going to happen, even though Baltimore had a rough experience against Kansas City so far. But what I will say is, um, in the AFC, you got quite a few fake hustles, right? We have right now the Bills on some miraculous 4-0. You have a potential MVP candidate in Josh Allen who's really playing. To me, he's the NFL Allen Iverson. Like, he's ball hogging, and his stats are great. But when he gets to the big game and it's just him that's trying to do literally everything, I don't think that works in the big game. It works for the regular season, not the big game. Also helps when two of your opponents are the Jets and Dolphins as well consistently so he has another two matchups against those two teams where he will pad the stats even more right but what I'm seeing from him and and he's he's been a trade target in all of my fantasy leagues everybody's been throwing him out there as trade bait uh to try to fish for deals but to me it's like he thinks he's MVP Cam Newton right he's trying to do it literally all himself they're on the goal line and he's running quarterback sneaks instead of just giving it to a perfectly capable running back. Like he's trying to literally take all the glory and that's his downfall because when he needs his teammates to step up in those crucial games that really matter against good teams, they're not going to know. They're not going to be in a rhythm. I'll say that because he's been stealing all the glory all season. It's like, (laughs) They don't have to. I mean, the bills, the bills are stacked, though. The Bills have a good team. No, I, I believe fully up and down in the Bills' structure right now. I do like uh, McDermott, their head coach. I like the defense that they've built. I like Tredavious White. He's one of my favorite corners in the league. Stephon Diggs, Maryland guy. You know he's a dog. Um but it's, I think Josh Allen's ego eventually is going to cause that team harm because he's going to think he can, he's God. And then once a team shows him he's mortal, I don't know if he'll be able to survive that. And the AFC, honestly, when it comes to the playoffs, they're stacked, bro. Oh, definitely. They're, they're the, the best, pro- you could say probably the best two teams are in the AFC and then the Bills are probably right there, probably three, three out of top four or five. I mean, depending on how you feel about the Packers and Seahawks. But then the Colts are good. The, the AFC the AFC is probably – this is probably the first year the AFC is probably end up going to be better than the NFC. I mean, the NFC has two just awful divisions between the NFC East and NFC uh, South really isn't that great either. Don't, don't call the South 
bad. It's. I mean, it's look, the NFC East is on a whole new level of bad. So, like, I don't want to say yes. it's equivalent to that. The NFL, the NFC East, this might be the worst collection of four teams in one division in NFL history. It's like, been a while a team, since we've seen that. Yeah, we might see it. We might see a team win six games, go six nine and one, and win that division. I can see every team going six and ten, and the Eagles winning six nine and one. That's how bad we're talking here. Like, would that, that shock you? That happen? That that reminds me of some of those um, Tom Coughlin Giants teams that used to make the playoffs at like nine and seven. They were really a seven and nine team, but they kind of lucked out two games and ended up making the playoffs. But that's where the NFC East is at right now. There's a lot of injuries. There's a lot of new coaching. There's a lot of just new everything, and they have to get used to it. But so, so wait. Let me go back to the original question. You said your your contenders and pretenders were who? You didn't name any teams. You said you broke it down in, into conference, and then so for conference, I got the Bills as fake hustle. Okay. Um, I got the Titans as fake hustle. Right now, they're three in Corona. I call it. So they are they are three and old technically, but Corona is probably going to keep some of their players out, and they haven't even released which players have COVID, which is messing up my fantasy rosters because players with COVID designations allow me to add new players. So if you technically don't have a COVID designation, then I have to just keep you on my bench, and it, there's nothing I can do about it. But uh, Tennessee was my fake hustle award of the AFC. Um, the AFC North as a whole right now is having tremendous success. Even the Bengals are a scary team that nobody really wants to face. Yeah, Joe Burrow's good. But the Browns at 3-1 and one right now, I am calling BS because yeah, I they don't... They got a great run game. They've got a great I, run game. And Nick Chubb is out for the next six weeks. So now yeah, then that other guy came in off the bench and was great. I don't even know who that guy was. <laughs> Nobody knows, but he's going to be the top of your fantasy waiver wires this week. Facts. And then Kareem Hunt's good too. Kareem still Hunt got a is top great. ten running back, even with Chubb out. No, I I they like good, good the weapons line. they have. I don't trust them to put it all together every Sunday is the problem. Yeah, I don't I don't really trust Baker Mayfield. That's true. So that that's my whole beef with them. And if we're talking about contenders versus pretenders, to be honest, in the AFC, there are three teams that have a chance. And I know I said the Bills are fake hustle, but the Bills, the Ravens, and Kansas City are the three teams that actually have a legit chance at the Super Bowl. Everybody else needs help to get lucky. That's how I feel. I'm not buying the Steelers, right? They struggled against Denver, and this will be my Tampa take later as well. You're struggling against teams that are bad, and somehow you have a good record, that doesn't mean you're good. That means you just beat the teams you were supposed to beat. Well, then how do you feel about the Colts then? I don't – so the Colts we'll get to a little later when we come to our love and hate in terms of new acquisitions. But I do feel the Colts are built the way football is supposed to be played. They're built on their defense, bailing them out, and running the football efficiently. Now, what they have been doing is allowing Phillip Rivers to keep them in games. And the reason why – well, we can get to it now. The reason why I called Phillip Rivers later on, we're going to do a segment called Love or Hate for Free Agent Acquisitions. Phillip Rivers reached my mid-category. And that's because Phillip Rivers gives that offense the identity that they needed. He's a character, but he gives them 
some type of a, like a leader that they, I don't think they've had since Manning, honestly, even with luck, he was such a, a workman blue collar attitude. I don't think none of the offensive guys got any juice off of that. They kind of relied on him. Whereas Phillip Rivers is like, I'm going to throw it to whoever's open. I don't care how much you're paid. I don't care if you're the wide receiver number one. I don't care if you're tight end number one. Mo Ali Cox, here's nine targets a game. And and it works. So I like it, honestly. I'm not not a fan, but we'll we'll get to that later. <laughs> I, I that's why he's my mid, right? He's better than what you had, but he's not the he's not bringing the best out of that offense that it can be, but honestly, the way the defense is playing, do you need that? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really see much of a difference between him and Jacoby Brissett, so that's why I said we'll we'll get into it later. Okay. Uh, who uh so those are your pretenders. So then give me give me a contender or two. So a contender for me is going to be the Green Bay Packers. I think the Green Bay Packers honestly have built that defense up so well through the draft that it's ridiculous. And they've relied on Aaron Rodgers' greatness to carry whatever offense they decided to put out there. I mean, he's throwing to Robert Tunyon. He's throwing to Alan Lazar. These are names you've never heard of. He's like, he's literally getting production out of players you've never even seen be one of those um quote-unquote underwear olympic warriors right the combine guys like he's not even throwing to them he's throwing to randoms that will probably not get cut on any other team and they're four and oh yeah i mean aaron jones is there aaron jones is really good too i like him jamal williams like they they got it they got a nice very underrated duo in the backfield as well and they're not even using their second round pick and aj Dillon. like they're not even using their picks that they've made they spent the first two picks of this draft on a backup quarterback and a third string running back technically and they're still four and oh most teams can't do that yeah that's definitely true especially with the jordan love pick everybody you know the first round pick everybody was crying that they should have got a receiver. And honestly, they probably should have gotten a receiver. But, I mean, you know, when you have Aaron Rodgers. I I said Justin Jefferson. I said on this podcast, Justin Jefferson should be the pick for Green Bay. And Minnesota stole him. And Minnesota is going to have a great wide receiver, too, for the next four or five years until he realizes Minnesota is not the place to be. It is what it is. Fair enough. So my contenders in the NFC, I'll give you two. Um, for each conference. My contenders are going to be simply Seattle and Green Bay. And in the AFC, it's Kansas City and Baltimore. If you're not one of those four teams and you make the Super Bowl, I will be honestly shocked. And I like what Tampa's doing, obviously. I like what the Rams are doing, but I just don't know if they can put it together against teams that aren't the Giants, right? That's, that's <laughs> what right. it is. I mean, that's that's fair. So, I guess we this will kind of segue into new faces, new places, love, hate sort of deal um, as I go into my contenders and pretenders. Um, I think the contenders are is a pretty much consensus right now. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, personally, I thought I really, I really liked the Saints up until this year. I think the last playoff game that Drew Brees had when they lost last year to the Vikings again really exposed his noodle arm. Took so the air out I, the blue. <laughs> yeah, so I was out. I was out on. I was out on the Saints, and I actually had the Chiefs and Seahawks as my Super Bowl pick. Uh, so I feel good about that in terms of the favorite still being favored. 
Uh, like I said, the contenders are all, you know, those are contenders. I think the only other pretender that I had that you didn't list is probably uh, your Bucks. I have one more for you. Oh, all right. Now, sure. granted, I think the Bucks are pretenders. They've they struggled a little bit against Denver, and they struggled a little bit against uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. I was about to say San Diego. Um, but that's given with no offseason. But my number one on the pretender list, and I want to ask you this to get your opinion, the Chicago Bears are three and one right now. Did you see that coming? Oh, yeah, no, that they aren't very good either. There's there's really not – I mean, again, like preseason, no preseason, really no offseason together. Like there's just – like the standard for what is a good team is definitely lowered this year because, again, the Bucks. I mean, I don't really think the Rams are all that great with Jared Goff. They're all right. They're not super deep or anything. They're 3-1. and one. The Bears are 3-1. and one. Uh, The Browns are 3-1. and one. Uh, You know, there's a lot of teams that, uh, that are, you know, question marks, and I would definitely put the Bears as probably – I think everyone actually would as a consensus number one question mark. Um, pretender, right? That's fake. Also. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It, the biggest it, pretender for sure. I mean, they don't have anything good about them. Like Nick Foles makes their offense decent, I suppose. Like he's better than Trubisky. But, I mean, but not, I mean, not by a significant enough a margin for them. I mean, they have one good receiver. Uh, you know, no love ter- for Anthony Miller. He's, no, I think not he's really. going to save some fantasy more, seasons more, down the season. He's more, he's more potential than production. I haven't seen anything from him outside of a, maybe one or two good games for me to really feel confident that he is a very good or even good receiver number two. If he was right. my three or four, I would feel a lot better. But the fact that no, you I go from Allen Robinson and then your, drop, then your next best is Anthony Miller is, says a lot. No, no disrespect to Anthony Miller. I just need more around him. I don't need – I don't want to rely on him as much as they have to rely on him as a receiver number two. Agree. Agree. Yeah, no. Especially when your tight end is Jimmy Graham, who is pretty much I don't, I don't want to say washed for sure, but he definitely is a shell of himself. <laughs> he definitely yeah, is he's not, a, not, he's a not goal line touchdown tight end at this point. Yeah, not that not who you want then, you know, Cohen being out hurts. I mean everyone has injuries, but you know that I'm hurts glad he got paid before he got hurt because I love his story. But right. I it, it sucks that he did get hurt. Yeah, I like David I Montgomery like Chicago's not defense. up to the hype, really. I do like Chicago's defense. And David Montgomery has fallen into the David Johnson trap with the Texans where Chicago is just being outplayed early in game, so they just abandon the run so they can't get the guy that needs 30 touches to get to his 100 yeah, but they, yards. but he's not even a good receiver out the backfield either. So it's just no. like – But that's why they had Cohen, right? So when Cohen goes down, it's like, well, shit, what do we do now? I mean, I, if I want a running back – that all I can use him for is when I have the lead, you could have assigned Adrian Peterson for that. And that's what Detroit attempted to do. They forgot that they won't have the lead in any of these games. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, so Chicago is my fake hustle of the year award right now. I mean, any team that's 3-1 and one that has quarterback controversy tells me that their defense or is carrying them at that point because there's no way you're flip-flopping from Mitch to Nick to you know all back and forth and you're still quote unquote with a good record so for me yeah, I almost throw this first four games away and to me the first quarter of the season is almost like the preseason it's like a throwaway these this is not what most of these teams are this is just them catching a lot of teams off guard yeah well we'll have our our top two can well at least my top two 
uh, pretenders, uh, the Bucks and Bears, squaring off in Thursday night football. So that'll be lovely. Oh, uh, that's going to be a shit show. Tampa is totally injured, but I think they'll still pull it out. I mean, they've been gutting out wins for no reason at all, and that's the Tom Brady effect. He keeps the belief in Tampa Bay. Well, then, well, well, let's go right to new faces, new places. You know, I know you have a love-hate list for the free agent acquisition. So mm-hmm. who's, who's uh, give me a quick, uh, I don't know, top three, top five of your favorite uh, acquisitions. Favorite acquisitions, Jamal Adams to Seattle. Underrated because Seattle's defense really needed a, a leader. And Russell Wilson throwing three touchdowns in the first half every game is not helping their defense because it puts them on the field so much because Russell Wilson is just in his MVP campaign, which is rightly deserved, but he is throwing like nobody's business. And that defense is on the field way too often. So Jamal Adams was needed, and I like that. Second, DeAndre Hopkins to to Arizona. I know it wasn't a, a choice for DeAndre Hopkins, but he's exactly what Arizona needed. Now, Arizona's defense hasn't been showing up for them. Kyler Murray has kind of been having games where he wants to do it all himself and then kind of relies on his uh, his wits at that point. But uh, I still think DeAndre Hopkins was – we're going to look back at that as the steal of a lot of this offseason. And believe it or not, Phillip Rivers, I, I just have to say it. I mean, not, his stats aren't different from what Jacoby Brissett was doing. No. Because he's the same caliber of player. Exactly. And you're 100% correct in that. But his – demeanor his attitude it's infectious it's rubbing off on the team and that defense is playing lights out yeah, who knew could, Xavier you can, Rhodes you can, would have you can a comeback forget that you're talking about being infectious and you could have started and ended at the defense the defense has carried them to a three and one record and yeah. and, a, and a poor schedule yes also the Dolphins were in there the Jets um, were in there yeah no, you're right. And they, and they, I mean, they couldn't even beat the Jags. It, it, so the Jags are, to me, like the Bengals. They're just two teams that nobody wants to face because they can, even though they quote-unquote suck, they can beat any given opponent because just how yeah, they're Yeah, they got wired. a decent quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and that's just – it is what it is. That's how football works. It's like you get a decent quarterback who's fearless – and all of a sudden, you can win some games. Trust me, I rooted for Jameis Winston, Tampa Bay team, who was in a lot of games and they were out, but they ended up with a losing record. So, my own the only thing with Philip, and the only reason that I'm hard on that signing, um, as a well, I'm not really a Colts fan at the moment. I'm boycotting. Um, <laughs> You're boycotting with their three and one. Yes, I, well, I boycotted before the year started, and I'm not going to let their three and one record in my boycott. And the reason I boycotted it, it was because of Philip Rivers, because it was absolute bullshit that they signed him for $25 million when Cam Newton got signed for $500,000. I, I, that's yeah, that's inexcusable. Crazy. Like, that's if, if Philip Rivers was making the same amount of money as Cam Newton or even half that or making the same amount of money as Jacoby Brissett, I would have no problem. But to give but, Phil, I don't, and I don't care if it was one year, but to give him $25 million guaranteed coming off a season where the Chargers were willingly le- allowing him to walk away for nothing because they had Justin Herbert and Tyrod Taylor in the wakes. They, they didn't even plan on starting Justin Herbert. They were totally fine letting Philip Rivers walk 
for Tyrod Taylor to start. They wanted Justin Herbert. They'd rather Justin Herbert learn from Tyrod Taylor than Phillip Rivers in 2020. That's well, where Phillip the target were. Phillip Rivers is way more expensive than Tyrod, number one. But That's you, fine. But, but what, you what fell in a bidding war with Tampa. Quarterback, what no, you know they've had a quarterback for their entire life, and then all of a sudden they just give them away for nothing? The Giants who were even holding on to Eli Manning. So I'll give you the, the inside from Tampa. Tampa was hot on Phillip Rivers, and you were in a bidding war with Tampa because Tampa was attempting to sign Phillip Rivers before Tom Brady decided to consider other options. So when Tom Brady signed for two years, $50 million, which was 25 per year, all, almost all guaranteed, that was the going rate for old quarterbacks that can produce. Now, the Colts got screwed because you got a lesser quarterback at the same price when Cam Newton was clearly just waiting for an opportunity. But anybody other than New England, I feel like Cam Newton would have signed for at least 15 to $20 million. I mean, that's fine. I just, I just feel that way. <laughs> New England did what New England always does. They, they gave Cam think, Newton a deal and then freed up cap space. I don't think that Cam Newton would have signed for that much for anyone at that point. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think that he gave New England a special discount. They I mean, just were, Andy Dalton signed for twelve million. It, it, I, that's fine, but that's it, he just the only reason, But the only reason that Cam Newton ended up not being able to have a market was because everyone he just was last to the party. Everyone's everyone's slots were filled up, so the Patriots didn't have any. Yeah. It's like, all right, here you either take this or take nothing because because everyone else already got their quarterbacks. 100%. And Cam Newton even said it. He said, it's not about money at this point in my career. I'm an MVP. I've made two $100 million contracts already. Like, it's about respect and about the next contract. So he's using this New England year to leverage into probably another 80 to $100 million. Oh, yeah. They're going to re-sign him and re-up him something crazy. He's going to get four or five years, $100 million or something like that. Like, he's going to get another big contract. You, oh, you definitely. saw Monday night. I mean, I'm you saw. Say, yeah, yeah. That, that was the best thing. And COVID was the best thing that ever happened to Cam Newton's <laughs> next contract. Yeah, the, the price went up. If I'm Cam Newton, I don't take another snap until you renegotiate. <laughs> Sign me now. I mean, to be honest, you want to – I mean, Brian Hort – I mean, Jesus. And and think about it. I've, I've said this in I my can't group chat. I cannot believe uh, – not to cut you off, but I can't believe – that the New England media tried to tell us that there was a cornerback controversy in New England. That's exactly what I was about to say. I said I can't believe, in my group I, chat. That is white supremacy working. I said, no damn no, way. I said Bill Belichick is the biggest asshole to ever walk the face of the earth because he doesn't even play mind games on just his, like, opponent NFL coaches. He plays mind games on the entire media. The whole New England media was telling us the entire offseason that Jarrett Stidham is the guy. Jarrett Stidham is going to start. Cam Newton won that job with a week of training. And then even after Cam Newton won that job, Jarrett Stidham was a three-week healthy scratch. And then they started Brian Hoyer over him, who hasn't even been in New England in five-something years. Miss me with that. You know yeah, what I mean? Was, like, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, right, I'm right with you. <laughs> the amount of misdirection New England plays, it, it's but the like, thing is, this is I'm not, mad. I'm not mad that that Belichick, because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you know your, uh, you know, opponents don't know who you're going against, whatever, whatever. Like, like I feel it, but the fact that the media was so gullible into believing that that could have been the case is alarming. That those media members who are sitting out there watching them practice, they they saw him, they saw them practice, 
and thought that these people were capable of competing with Cam Newton. It was just unbelievable. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Even with so, a foot injury, Cam Newton can sit there in a wheelchair and outthrow Jared Siddham and Brian Hoyer. <laughs> no, that's – But that yeah. was our love list. I want you yeah, to give yeah. me one that's on your absolute hate, oh, my God, what did you do offseason move? Uh, I mean, mine was Philip Rivers, so I got to think of another one. Yikes. Uh, shoot, probably Nick Foles, to be honest, because, I mean – I mean, I get it that the Bears didn't sign Nick Foles to that contract, right? But they still, but they still willingly took it. They willingly thought that he would. And the Bears, another team that could have easily gone for Cam Newton, another. I mean, and you already have Mitch, a team that could have went for Teddy Bridgewater. Like there were so many options. They went out of their way to trade for Nick Foles when with a ton of quarterbacks still in the market, and redid his contract. Yeah, they wanted him that bad. They restructured his contract to give him more guaranteed money. And he looks and he looks awful and he looked awful against the Colts. Awful. He got a garbage time garbage time touchdown. They lucky they got got to double digits. They were awful. I mean, so I don't I don't want to say I don't mind the Nick Foles deals, but personally, Nick Foles for even more than twelve million a season was a bit much when Jameis Winston, Cam Newton signed for less than two million a year. That's blasphemous for me. So the market just fucked the Chicago over. I'll put it that way. My hate list is actually an entire offseason made by the Miami Dolphins. Wow, really? Because they, they finessed on that Tunzel deal something crazy. I mean, I know that was, I guess, last season technically, but still. And that that's my point. My point is they went into an offseason – and they spent big on Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, uh, Emmanuel Ogba. Who did they get from the Bills? Um, pass rusher from Clemson. Oh, yeah. I, I know you're talking about. Uh, I don't know, but it was no one good. They definitely spent a lot of money on that defense for nothing. So very, they spent very, a very, ton the ROI of money. The ROI very low. That's my problem. They spent a ton of money on that. They traded for Matt Breida and gave him a $21 million contract. They got Jordan Howard. They got all of the, they spent all this money to be one in three. It's ridiculous. Now they've been competitive. I don't want to say they haven't been competitive. They've been competitive. But But they, they look pretty they pretty much look like the same team from last year. Exactly. And I don't know if Tua even being as great in college as Tua was, if he's able to even help them be better than what they currently are. Because Fitzpatrick is balling. I don't want to take that away from him. Fitzpatrick is doing what he should be doing. The Dolphins' defense is trash. It's running an outdated New England system that doesn't work anymore because everybody in the league figured out how to play New England. It's just New England has the players that everybody doesn't have, so it works for them. It doesn't work for everybody else. That's what Matt Patricia is dealing with in in Detroit. He's trying to run a New England system without New England players. It doesn't work. Well, that's what Dan Quinn's doing, trying to run the Legion of Boom system without Earl Thomas. It it doesn't fucking work, man. <laughs> He's running literally the Legion of Boom system with a watered-down version of Cam Chancellor, and that's the only safety he has. And that system is so dependent on the safety, it's ridiculous. But irregardless, I think the Dolphins have been on my hate list. I didn't like the Byron Jones signing. 
especially when you just sign Xavier Howard to a bunch of money and he's the better corner, in my opinion. Uh, I don't like the Kyle Van Noy signing. You're overpaying for a guy that had maybe one and a half good years with New England, but it's uh, – irregardless, they are on my hate list. I completely don't like any of those moves. Well, I'll give you one quick one that I love that I think no one's talked about that uh... – I mean, I know it's it's the Colts, so I'm, I'm sure no one's really paid attention outside of people who actually watch Colts games. I, I've watched a couple of Colts games, even though I'm on a boycott, but I've watched them neutral. Uh, but the, the the signing that I'm thinking of, and I, and you can I think you'll confirm it, but I don't know if it has immediately uh, something that came to the top of your head is um, Xavier Rhodes getting revitalized on the Colts from the Vikings. So this has been a topic of contention with me because I was on the Xavier Rhodes is washed for the last like three years when he was with Minnesota, you know, the Rhodes, cause I'm a Tampa fan originally right. I've switched, but you know, I'm dual wielding now, but hold on. You switched from what to what? So I, I'm dual wielding, right? I was a Tampa fan for the last two years. Well, two years ago, I said either the GM or Jameis has to go. And until bo- Either one or both of them go, I can't root for them. And I switched to Baltimore right before Lamar's MVP season because, again, Baltimore wasn't a team when I chose football teams. And I was like, well, I'm not rooting for the Washington football team, so I'd rather root for Baltimore because I'm in Maryland, right? Oh, but, but now that Jameis is gone, so you're back on the Bucks as well is what you're saying. Well, no, no. I, now that Jameis is gone, I tried an entire football season, right? Even with Lamar winning MVP doing everything right, being the team you should root for. I found myself still listening to Tampa Bay podcasts, watching their post-game interviews, caring about what the fuck is going on because I was invested, right? So for me, I, I consider it dual-wielding, right? I'm, I, it's, it's, I'm rooting for Baltimore actively, but I can't leave the ex-girlfriend that is Tampa Bay alone, irregardless, right? moving past that but Mike Evans Tampa Bay star wide receiver has always had beef with Xavier Rhodes it's now he has has beef with everybody he has has a light skin complex I'll give him that but Xavier Rhodes used to really piss him off Xavier Rhodes and Marshawn Lattimore if you look at every fight he's ever been in it's always been them two but Xavier Rhodes has been washed to me for the last three years in Minnesota. He's actually been Minnesota's liability for like two, I would say two seasons uh, straight. Now he gets to Indianapolis. Indianapolis isn't playing Patrick Mahomes every week, right? So he had a couple gimme games against Sam Darnold and Ryan Fitzpatrick where he was just getting, uh, I mean, the ball was thrown to him in some of these instances. But he made the play, so you can't take that from him. So I'll give it to Xavier Rose that he is, quote-unquote, revitalizing his career or image. But I want to see him against better competition before I'm, like, stamping it, if that makes sense. I mean, that's fair. You got, you know, look, nothing wrong with with a a bias, you know, going against it. I'm just saying, Xavier Rose, pick six. It's happening. who, who, Who saw it coming? No, I didn't. I'll tell you that straight up. <laughs> when even when the Colts signed him, I'm like, okay, you you got rid of Vontae Davis, who was a good corner, and you got rid of 
uh, Philip Desir, who is a good corner. And I mean, like good corners come through the Indianapolis and then just go. So I wasn't expecting much from Xavier Rhodes, I'll be honest. Well, well they, I think they have a corner-friendly defense when they play that, that soft cover, too. Yeah, and, and that's inviting for corners to get interceptions because you're literally watching quarterback. So yeah. it's so made it's, it's, for a quarter. A corner and, they, and they have a great pass rush. They don't, they don't blitz much, and they just play a soft cover, too, and they get pressure with four. So that's really just their whole defense. And I'm going to be biased. To me, Tampa Bay has the best two linebackers in the league as a tandem-wise. But Indianapolis is very Indianapolis is right there. No, they're super close. Because Indian – well, I would even say Indianapolis might be better just to get rid of my bias because they have three linebackers. Tampa doesn't have three. They have two. I'm going to say they're running at 4-3. If any team running at 4-3, I don't think uh, there's a team out there with a better three. Uh, it depends on how much you like San Francisco, but yes. So, to me, San Francisco's up there because they have Dre Greenlaw, they have Fred Warner, and they have Quan Alexander. But they run a 3-4, so it's a little different. Right. Um, yeah, now, yeah, my comment was specific to the 4-3, but even still, yeah, those those Colts linebackers, those three, those three Anthony Walker, uh, Leonard, and I forget the third uh, – they got a good. I'm just saying they got a good, a good trio, and most teams don't even have two. So yeah, no, that's true. And and Malik Hooker went down, and they got Justin Blackman in there, who's who's actually a good, good rookie safety. But not to, to me, get too I've, much I've, into the Colts. I've I don't loved, want to get too much into. I'll, I'll say this just because you brought him up. I loved Malik Hooker's game since Ohio State, but God, is he injured every year? Every year. And it's like a devastating, like, knee injury. It's not something like, oh, I jammed a finger. It's always like a knee injury. You're like, fuck, man. You're great. Like, when he was coming out of Ohio State, teams – I don't want to size it, but they were projecting him as like an Ed Reed mold. Not Ed Reed-like, but a mold of him, like a ball-hawking safety that was just oh, everywhere. Yeah. And honestly, he was, like, in that, in that vein for sure in terms of finding the ball. But he just can't stay healthy. I don't know what it is, man. He it's yeah, like it's a he, bad luck. Yeah, man. But the Colts, I mean, look, Bob Sanders, he's another one that was always a great safety, but he can't keep himself out of harm's way. He just he sacrifices his body too much. Cool. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. So all right, running through this. Rookie Renaissance. You you shouldn't be rookie renaissance. I'm assuming you meant some rookies that you really liked. Absolutely. I think this was one of the most talented drafts we've had since Cam Newton's, what, 2011 draft. I mean, I think that these are future stars of the NFL. You look at Chase Young, even with the groin injury, instant impact. Joe Burrow, instant impact. Justin Jefferson, instant impact. Like, these guys are Jalen Rager for the Eagles. Even though he went down, you can tell that this kid's got some juice. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's, Rager for me was just harder to look at because I feel like because they passed up on some some other quality guys to to get him. Correct, and nobody watches TCU. Exactly, cool uniforms, but nobody really watches TCU. It is what it is. But I mean, you look at the kid from uh, Damon Arnett from Oakland, balling. Henry Ruggs, even he's on my fantasy team. I love Henry Ruggs. He doesn't have the production just yet, but if you actually watch the Raiders, he has like 
key points in every game where he's getting like a 50-yard pass interference penalty, which would be a catch when he's like in year three or four. But for now, they'll take the P.I. and then throw it to Darren Waller and score the touchdown. But he's impacting these games. Um, He's banged up right now. But just like Odell was banged up in his first year, I think Henry Ruggs could have the exact same projection as Odell had. And that's high cotton. I don't throw that out there lightly, but I like what I'm seeing out of them. Uh, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, Dak Prescott's throwing 500 yards a game, and CeeDee Lamb is getting a quarter of that or a third of that, if you will. And he's balling. I mean, this this draft class, even the offense alignment between Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Willis, like all of them are having above average grades right now. Like this this first round draft class, it's crazy right now. Yeah, all the receivers for sure. Even, uh, you know, not to bring it back to the Colts, Michael Pittman Jr. was having a good year before he got hurt too. Yeah. Uh, Herbert's doing good at quarterback. I was surprised to see that he was – I didn't think he was going to be all that great. Uh, you saw Brandon Ayuk just hurdle, a, a, you know, a defender and actually score a touchdown. Like, when, when was the last time you saw the hurdle work? <laughs> not for the touchdown, yeah, that's definitely true. It's crazy, man. And and I'm just – I'm excited. I love the young players and seeing the juice that they bring to the field. I mean, even Javon Kinlaw, like, he's been doing well for San Francisco now that they have so many injuries. But he's been doing a lot of uh, stuff you can't see on the box score that affects the game, that's keeping San Francisco in these games because they have a ton of injuries. Hey, speaking um, of that, because I know that you were, you were a big uh, proponent of uh, the Colts trade not working out, but uh, DeForest Buckner, he's, yeah. he's anchoring that Colts defense. He proved me wrong. I'll tell you that much. Um, I told. I told you outside of Aaron Donald, I told you he's right up there with the, with anyone. But see, that's where I got confused because you mentioning Aaron. Aaron Donald to me is the best player in the NFL. Almost like he's well, top you know, three. Yeah, he's the best non quarterback probably in the league. I see probably either him or at least this year probably Kamara. But see, so, say, see, so see, I, I, take him out of, I take him out of the conversation. Say, say Aaron Donald and then say DeForest Buckner. They don't – they're not in the same sentence. Like, it doesn't match, right? But that – but to, to DeForest Buckner's credit, he has consistently improved year over year over year over year. And now he's doing what I call the LeBron effect, which is I'm good no matter where I go. Right. Yeah. Not a lot of players can prove that. Yeah. Not a players can break away from system and still be as good as they were. Right. No, that's true. When you, when you, you know, going around uh, with worse talent, I mean, the Colts are good, but last year's San Francisco D line was uh, otherworldly. So the, you know, Mm -hmm. go from being a guy to being the anchor definitely is a difference. It's a, it's a big step up. All right. So real quick, Confidence meter, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most confident. How confident are you in a, in a 16-week NBA or NFL season? Four. Wow, four? Four. And the only reason why it's a four is I'm because at a, I'm at a nine. Uh, well, I would be at a nine. But my thing is there's, there's other out. So the Tennessee Steelers situation has shown me that the NFL is about to start lying about shit. And this is conspiracy pope. I'm putting the hat on, whatever. But 
to tell me that player they haven't even released the names of the players that all were affected in the Tennessee outbreak that happened, right? right? You're talking the bus driver that drove them to the game got it infected, but you've only got about five, a handful of players, and you've only released like Adam Humphreys as like the sacrificial lamb. But as we know anything about COVID, now granted, these are athletes, they have medicine, they'll bounce back, we hope, right? Fingers crossed. They don't want to see nothing bad happen to these guys. But COVID has affected normal citizens for like a month. They're, they're, this right. is not something you just get over in a week and then, oh, we just need a bye week and the next week we'll all be 100% strength. That doesn't fucking happen. So to me, the NFL is probably going to start lying about the situation more NFL owners are now allowing way more fans in the stands and stuff like that because they're just putting it all in and saying, fuck it. I think that they're just going to start lying about the situation, just like John Gruden and the Raiders did. John Gruden, if you remember, said, oh, I did get COVID, but I didn't tell nobody about it until, you know, a week later because I had to run us through our offensive game plan and walkthrough. And now you have a defensive tackle who just played in a Sunday game put immediately on the COVID-19 list, Maurice Hurst. We just got news of that today. Right. So he just got put on the COVID list, and he just played in the whole game. Right, and has a, and has a heart condition, mind you. And has a heart. So you're telling me, like, I shouldn't be worried, but even the Cam Newton situation, you mean – now, granted, I watch Cam Newton's YouTube. I see him on his offseason. Cam Newton has a cigar a day period. I've never seen him without a cigar. I don't know if he owns a company he's promoting or if this is just Cam Newton's lifestyle, but to me, if you're telling me this man is the only Patriot player infected and that's just what we're going to leave it at, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's not how this virus works. That's not how it's historically worked. Like, but that's why my confidence as a four and it's only at a – honestly, it would be at a zero if the owners weren't involved. The only reason why it's at a four is because the owners are literally going to wait for somebody to die before anything happens or changes. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And I think I have the same philosophy in terms of how bad the NFL is going to want this to work, how much money they're going to lose, how much they don't like losing money, all the owners. And that's why it's at a nine because it, mm-hmm. it's literally going to take someone – basically to die for them on to the field the on the field just, in just time. about <laughs> just about like 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 the the lengths that they're going to go to to make this work i i just can't imagine that they cancel the season now do i think there might I be agree. a situation maybe they revamp it and make this regular season a couple games shorter maybe i don't know but they're a super bowl will be played They've already said that they were willing to push the Super Bowl out to March. Yeah, they'll push it back to March. Yeah, they'll look. A Super Bowl will be played. I would be shocked. Like I said, I'm at a 9.5 on my confidence meter that Super Bowl will be played. And and honestly, to your point that you made earlier, I listened to Bill Simmons as well, and he had a genius idea, which is what I said originally in my head, but I didn't put it on wax, which is the NFL in the proof – for this Titans-Steelers situation was, like, all that we needed for proof. The NFL should have done, like, a 10-day schedule for games to be played. Like, you needed to test everybody, make sure everybody's good, 
put him in a hotel two or three days before the game in the city that they're supposed to play in and then play. This whole everybody has freedom, we're going to travel as normal, it makes no sense. There should be extra bye weeks just input into the season in general, just the reset. Because even look at the the Steelers-Titans game that they had to reschedule. That affected like four or five different teams, right? The Ravens bye week now got pushed back. The Steelers and Titans had to take a week three damn near bye week. And now they're about to play almost 12 straight weeks after that when they were expecting to have a bye week later. Like, and, and my, I said this to my friends, I thought what they were going to do was just add a week 18 and then do makeup games at the end of the season. But, uh, you know, they, they found other ways to rearrange the schedule because it was only quote unquote, these two teams that were affected. But what happens if, it's multiple teams at the same time. They needed to implement some buffer in there somewhere, and that's how I feel. No, uh, that's true. And and if they need to enter it, they'll they'll enter a buffer a buffer on the fly for sure. Anything to keep the season going. Owners like money, man. That's why they're letting fans in the stands when they're having a hard time even keeping the players from getting affected. But, yep, man. pretty pretty much. <laughs> this uh, we said this was going to be thirty minutes. I think it was longer than thirty minutes, but. It, it's all good. Uh, appreciate you coming on. You got any, any final thoughts? Yes, sir. I can be followed anywhere at Hush Pope for the number. And look out for DMV Hype Podcast, man. That's where we're about to start putting more content out. Uh, me and Rodney will do this podcast more often than not, especially because football season. Who knows when it will close. So I appreciate you for letting me come on. Thank you for letting me talk to the people. And I appreciate you for not beating me up about the Jameis Winston takes. <laughs> appreciate you, bro. No worries. All right. Thanks, everyone.